It's a gospel on the radio talk show. A show about dreams and visions and a church that is indeed triumphant, alive, and well. For the church triumphant is alive and well. Hello, Tallahassee. This is the Gospel on the Radio talk show. I'm Pastor Jack King. I am your host, and uh, it's just exciting to be back with you here in a brand new year, 2023, our first interview of the year coming up here in just a few minutes. But uh, we are a show about dreams and visions and a church triumphant, alive and well. We talk about the church and what God is doing in his glorious kingdom. Have a few rules. We don't talk sports, politics, or doctrine, but we do always speak well of one another. And uh, that has worked out real well over a lot of years now, 1,106 shows today. And I have a gentleman by the name of Sean Kane. That's Kane, not King. I told him, I said, I'll probably be saying King for it's all over. And uh, the name of the ministry is Evangelism Global. And I'm excited about this interview. Uh, Brother Kane, welcome to the show. Appreciate you having me. It's, uh, well, I'm just looking at this young man, and uh, and he's, he told me how old he is. And I said, well, in my, from my perspective, that's young. <laughs> and uh, he's got one of those, uh, I call it a, an Englishman hat, if you know, if you know what that look, looks like. And uh, just, just a sharp-looking young man who's had a lot of adventure in his life. Now, you are from Tallahassee. Originally, yeah. Yeah, and this is where you were born and raised, that sort of thing? Born and raised. At least I tried. Okay. And you mentioned to me, just in conversation, you didn't tell me how you ended up there, but let's do that. You were in Africa. What were you doing in Africa? That's a really good question. Uh, I was living in Uganda. I was living in Uganda. Okay. And uh, I was there uh, doing evangelism and working with a ministry we were doing crusades. So. Okay. And how long were you there? Uh, I moved there. I lived there for about six months. Really? Uh-huh. Okay. Uganda. Uh-huh. And then kind of moved around Africa a little bit more. After you know, now, what part of, of Africa is uh, Uganda in? So, Uganda is in the part basically right in the middle. Okay. If you were looking okay. at the continent. All right. It's technically considered East Africa. Okay. Well, I spent some yeah. time in, in Ghana. Okay. And... Uh, <laughs> So I've, I kind of I know Africa a little bit from from that. It's the mouth of the uh, Nile River. So the Nile River wow. starts in Uganda and then goes all the way through Sudan, South Sudan, wow. Sudan, wow. and into Egypt. Wow! So from that experience, uh-huh. you uh, have a heart for evangelism. Oh, that, that's 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 what makes you tick in it. It does. <laughs> okay. It does. But uh, you haven't always been a believer, I understand. That's true. How did that come about? Uh-huh. That's a really good question, too. Uh, well, I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Okay. Uh, maybe had a few family members that would consider themselves Christian, but had little exposure to Christianity. And uh, But I knew there was a God. I always knew there was something there, uh-huh. you know. And... Uh, Spent most of my life trying to figure out well, really? who is this God. Yeah, back and forth, you know. Yeah. I mean, there were times where uh, I was searching a little more, and then times when I was really avoiding. But it. did you have any church experience during that time? I, a little bit, a little bit. A little bit. Okay. Um, now, unfortunately for me, I'd had some experiences with God, but I I remember being the little bit of church I went to. I would hear them talk about God. But I wasn't seeing that anyone was experiencing who God really was. Uh-huh. It seemed disconnected, I thought. Okay. 
well, this Bible thing might be really for sure. But I don't know if these people know the guy. Uh-huh. Uh, now, see, that fascinates me. I know. To hear you say that. Now, what, what was it about that, that that made you feel that way? Can you describe that? Yeah, yeah. I think it was just uh, I was hearing of a God who was real, living, alive in the lives of, I'd hear him talk about some Bible characters, Moses and, you know, some of these other, uh, Abraham and uh, Isaac and Jacob. They, right, he's doing right. things in their lives. And, you know, I'm telling you these things now. I don't remember. I wouldn't have known those names then. Right. I could have okay. just told you. Sure. Some guy, you know, told the sea to open up, you know. <laughs> right. But when I looked around the room, I thought, the experiences and the way some of the people that I knew at the time, I thought, I don't think y'all have that same okay. experience, yeah. relationship with that, that same yeah, the real, One of the reasons why I'm asking you this is that yeah. as, as a pastor myself, I think about a lot of times the person who would come to one of the church services that I conduct, I said, if they didn't know anything, would, 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 would I be able to communicate with them at all? Yeah. Because we're so familiar with the terms and things we use. Now, I have some people in my church who were totally out before they started coming to church. And right. I've asked them about it. I said, well, what were those first few <laughs> Sundays they came? They said, Pastor, to be quite honest, we had no idea what you were talking about. Uh-huh. And uh, and that concerns me. That would have been me too. Yeah. But but your heart is to break through that yeah. and bring people to Christ through, yeah. through the work of evangelism. So, yeah. Now, are you a uh, preacher? Uh, I guess you could call me that. Okay. So, I mean, um, you go places and, and speak. Exactly. Okay. Uh, what type of places? Churches or do you go to the streets? Churches. We go in the streets. We do okay. uh, We do large outdoor meetings, depending on what part of the world you're in. They have different names. Okay. But. So, the Global Evangelism, yeah. or Evangelism Global, uh-huh. is an organization. It is. Okay. Yeah. And primarily started out of... What you were talking about, the okay. the desire to see people know the gospel. Okay. Now, I told you that this sounds awfully familiar to me. Yeah. And let me just explain to the radio audience. Most of the guests who come to be on this show, I never met them before they walk in the doors of the uh-huh. building where we're at. Okay. But somehow or another, some of the things that you talked about, just as we were just sitting here talking, I said, this sounds familiar and somewhere along the line, there might have been somebody else from your organization here on the show. It, it will become apparent to me if that's the case. <laughs> or it could have been somebody else who's doing something very, very similar. Okay. How did you get connected with this group? Yeah. So I actually got connected with this group by starting it. Okay. So I started this organization. Ah, so yeah. you were the founder that's of it. Global Evangelism. That's it. Oh, wow, man. I, 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 sudden, <laughs> I'm feeling honored here. <laughs> All right. And how long ago was that? Uh, well, we officially started about three years ago. Three years ago. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, what took you to Africa? Who Was it somebody that you, you met that was involved in something there? That's a... Just you got really great questions all over the place. <laughs> I'm just curious. Yeah. So I would say it was my friend Jesus took me okay. over there. Yeah. So I'd been a Christian for about two years okay. at that point. All right. uh, knew that the Lord had called me to ministry as soon as I got saved from from day one. Okay. Within two seconds, I thought everyone in the world needs to know about this. How, wow. how have I gone 24 years of my life and never heard this before? Huh. Everyone is looking for this. Wow. I realized everyone is looking for this Jesus. They just don't know it. Uh-huh. And so I knew I was called. And uh, after about two years, I was waiting on the Lord. When you know, when is this call? And felt that at some point I would go to Africa, of all places. Right. 
And uh, so after about two years, uh, God had been speaking to me and through a series of uh, prayer and the Holy Spirit sharing things with me, he uh, told me I was in my first semester back in college. I was 26. Okay. Going back to college, first semester, ending the semester, and I'm at a prayer meeting and God says, I want you to go to Uganda next week. <laughs> you have right, in right. seven days. Okay. Take no money. Take no clothes. Take no luggage. Take no cell phone. And get a one-way ticket. Now, now, please tell me you were allowed to wear the clothes that you had on. Only the clothes I had on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Luckily, I didn't have to do a, uh, 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 like an Old Testament prophet and walk right. around in my underwear. Right, right. Okay. So, you did it. I did it. And how did it work? Well, you know, there was a lot more detail to it, but he told me there will be a man, an African man waiting for you at the airport when you arrive in Uganda. Didn't know this guy. Didn't know a single person in all of Africa. But a week later, I arrived in Uganda, came out of the airport. I'm looking for who this guy might be. And I said, God, I'm the only white guy in this whole airport. Okay. It's a lot easier for him to find me than me find him. <laughs> right. I kind of stick out. <laughs> right. And I said, God, I don't, I don't know who this person is, but I trust you. All so right. whoever this person is, you have them find me, and okay. I trust you. And as I said, God, have them find me. I felt in that moment a firm grip on my left shoulder, and this about six-foot-one African man leans into me, huffing and puffing, <sighs> I have been looking for you everywhere. <laughs> okay. Wonderful. Come with me. Wow. So he takes me by the hand. I'm too shocked to worry that I'm holding another man's hand. <laughs> right, you know? right. Being an American, that's a little yeah, odd. Yeah. We walk to his car. He puts me in the car. I know what's going on, but uh-huh. I thought, I've got to know the other side. And he's shocked. Yeah. He says, Where are your, where's your luggage? Uh, I said, Nothing. <laughs> he scratched his head. What have I gotten yeah, myself, right, right. myself into? So we start to leave, and I, I said, you know, I have to know your side of this story. Right. Why did you just do that? Why am I in your co- What made you, what possessed you to do this? He said, uh, turns out he was flying back from London. We were on the same flight from London to Uganda. Really? A transfer flight. <laughs> And I had seen him on the plane looking. He kept looking back at me. He uh-huh. was looking at me when we came through the immigration line. Then he, he found me. He said, you know, I, I left the airport. He, was, he came to his car. He said, I came to my car and I could not leave. I just could not leave. <laughs> oh, wow. And then Jesus told me, go back and find the Muzungu, which is Swahili for white man. Okay. Go back and find the Muzungu and bring him to your home and give him a place to live in Uganda. Wow. Wow. You see, I believe that story without any hesitation. Yeah. Amen. Because I've seen God do this type of thing before. Amen. But now the question is, when you met him, you didn't even know he was a believer. I had no idea. And you, you going to get in the car with him. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> see? 
But I do. I believe. I totally believe your story. Amen. And uh, for several reasons. One is because I've experienced this type of thing. And others, I've had a lot of people sitting in the chair. You're sitting in right now that tell me a story is very similar. Praise the Lord. Because that's a God that we serve. Absolutely. And he he is amazing with that. Okay. So, all right. You go home with him. What happens now? Yeah. So, I went home with him. Turns out he's a pastor. Okay. He's Pastor Fred Mugambwa. He pastors a church. They just changed their name. It was uh, Calvary Chapel Chitendale, which is a province. It's a kind of like a neighborhood of Kampala, Uganda, which is the capital. Okay. So I go home with him. Turns out he's a pastor. It's late in the morning, in the, early in the morning by the time we get home. And he says, listen, let's just go to sleep, you know, bathe, go to sleep, and we'll speak in the morning. Uh, we'll go to my church, and in the morning I will introduce you to my senior pastor. So uh, we did that. The next day, we make our way to the his church. We're there most of the day. And I think the part I left out was that when I was born again, when I first was born again, the reason I knew I was the Lord was asking me to go to ministry was he showed me a vision. You're talking about dreams and these right. things. A vision of a field full of people and a stage. There was a stage and a field full of people, and these people were hearing about Jesus, and they were encountering the presence of God. People were being delivered and saved and saved from their sins. They were encountering Jesus, some people being physically healed. You could just tell this was an encounter with each one was having their own individual encounter with the living God. And I said, God, what is this? I'm not a musician. Is this a concert? I don't I don't know what this is. And so here I am, it's two years later, I still have no idea what that is. How is that going to happen? We show up to the church, then that night they had a stage. And I didn't know what the stage was for. And it turns out it's for a meeting just like what I had seen. Wow. And so I'm introduced to the senior pastor who is, a, his name is Stephen Sebiala. He runs a ministry called Africa Harvest Mission. Okay. Uh, and he, all, they're all over East Africa. Went home with him that night. We come home. And the only decorations he had in his house at the time were posters for these events he would do. So the first thing I see is this poster as I walk into his house of a stage and a field (laughs) full of people, tens of thousands of people, tens of thousands. And so I stayed living with him and learning how to do these types of things. Right. Yeah. the uh, senior pastor, did he have any hesitation from after he not at all after he met you and, and, the, and the his associate had said, "Hey, I met this guy. God said, go back and get him." And he just said, "Hey, this is God. Let's go." Not <laughs> not at all. Wow. Okay. Uh, in fact, I just was back visiting. Uh, really. In late September. So, what kind of things did he have you do to start off? What did he have you do? Yeah. Well, to start off was just be here i was uh it was crisp around the christmas season so uh it's a little dangerous time to be a christian over there and a a foreigner foreigners don't usually come there on missions trips so oh it's very cautious on get the lay of the land before you're off by yourself but uh the first things i was doing was mostly just working with the team learning to be discipled by africans Mm -hmm. i was discipled by ugandans in being a minister now what about the language? Are we? Is it English there? Uh, English is the government language, right? But uh, got there's a lot over of tribal. Dialects. There's over there's yeah. over forty yeah. different tribal languages. Right, right. The language in the capital city is Lugandan, of which I know 
Ampola a little, just just a little. <laughs> I know enough to get by, yeah, but and not with, get cheated. But with the English, you could communicate oh, totally. somewhat. Yeah, totally. Yeah, the Ghana was the same way. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of tribal dialects. Whenever I would preach, there'd be I'd have an interpreter on both sides, and uh, just go from one providence to another, and it's totally different uh, language, that type of thing. But mm-hmm. there was enough English around because it was a, a, a had been a part of England at one time. So it, it had that ability that you could communicate that way, but still there was a lot of different dialects around. So that's kind of what you were experiencing there. But it's different than like if you go to a Spanish country and you don't speak Spanish at all, you're you're trying to catch up and get a few words <laughs> that you can communicate. And, and anywhere else would be the same way. But when the country does have a little English, you you can make you can muddle through pretty much. So I'm, I'm assuming they probably had you on the maintenance team and setting up and taking down and just watching and observing. That's true. So did there come a time where you were called upon to speak? Yeah. So it actually came about that. All of the team members who worked with Pastor Sabiala also did their own ministries in the midst of him having these different events. He okay. would do a few events a year, usually lasting a few weeks at a time. Outside of that, most of the people that were on his team also had their own individual ministries, and they did Such as things. pastoring? or Pastoring. Some of them were evangelists, church planters, teachers, different things. Okay. So uh, when we weren't doing some of the meetings with him, Yes, I went off to preach with the others, and we would do other meetings, mostly doing village crusades. So we would okay. go in uh, a crusade, not meaning a war, doing a outdoor meeting to right. share Jesus. Right. And so we would go very often to villages that were unreached and areas that where the gospel had not really reached and okay. set up there. So in the midst of that, did you kind of find your niche? I did. I did. It was awkward the first couple times but <laughs> right. yeah i did i okay. did well and and that is what just speaking yeah doing the work of an evangelist doing mostly the work of an evangelist and also raising up leaders okay. had you ever done any public speaking before i had never never done public <laughs> okay. speaking before so we got to hear about this oh <laughs> <laughs> tell us about it what happened the first time you were called upon <laughs> to speak the first time i was called upon to speak was in a small village and a pastor friend of mine had asked come with me and we had a miraculous time of even getting there just because i remember i went with no money so (laughs) everywhere i went i had to trust the lord random people would walk up and just i'd get in a cab have no money and then someone would walk up to the window and just hand me some money wow and it was enough for the cab fare before we take off i mean that that kind of thing (laughs) happened all the time so we end up there and it's amazing and and then i realize i don't know what i'm doing when it comes to public speaking (laughs) And these guys assume that I do. (laughs) So they hand me the mic. I go to start speaking. Only knew a couple things that I felt like God wanted to say. Had no idea how to formulate a sermon. Just said, took me maybe 60 seconds to say what I thought needed to be said. Uh Uh, Felt like I had something to share about this lady who was sick, prayed for her, and then just handed the mic back. I said, and, and, and 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 that's it. And then handed the yeah, mic to the yeah. pastor. I, I had no idea how to close it out. No idea how to start it. I just took the mic, started talking, and then said, "and and that's all." <laughs> and then handed the mic away. I had a friend of mine that came to do the radio show with this is years ago, uh-huh. and he was so nervous. And he said, uh, 
he said, no, we got to write down the questions. He says, we, you, we, and I said, brother, don't worry about it. I said, I won't leave you hanging. He said, oh, no, no, no. we got to write down these questions. So we, so we made this list of questions, and I, I introduced him. And next thing you know, he went blah, 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 through every one of those questions. <laughs> I said, okay, now we'll wing it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I understand that. I really do. Yeah. Because uh, uh, it's just, just like we were talking about a little while ago. I said, we, I turned the microphone on so we could do a little test, and all of a sudden he got quiet. Uh-huh. I said, it's funny how just all of a sudden when you're in the presence of people. Mm-hmm. And, and now here's something that's, that's interesting to me. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm on the radio every day of, of the week. I do the talk show, the music show, the daily broadcast. I, I preach at my church. I, I go to places and speak at meetings and all this sort of thing. But I had to do a little presentation at a Christmas party last December. Mm. And I had everything ready to go. And I tell you, I was as nervous as a cat on a hot tin roof. <laughs> and, <I'm> going, <laughs> and I said, Jack King, what is wrong with you? Uh-huh. But I don't know. For some reason or other, I just found myself to be to be nervous. <laughs> wow. so it can happen to anybody. It's true. <laughs> so, it's true. They so, say that's the... Uh, Number one fear. People fear public speaking. I hear more that. Than, more than death. I, and I just recently heard that somewhere. Yeah. And, and that's amazing to me because it's just so natural to me. But here I was getting nervous. And I said, why am I being nervous? <laughs> right. <laughs> that just doesn't happen to me. I'm one of those people that normally, if you meet me, uh-huh. we're friends. Uh-huh. You know, I just make friends real easy. And I have no problem talking to people. A lot of times my kids will say, Daddy. Tell your new friend bye because we got to go. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I can expression. relate. I the, can relate. Yeah, the expression you never met a stranger. It's true. Sort of thing. But this was something new for you. Very new. So what happened the second time? Well, second time got a little bit better. Uh, the second time I, I began, I was given a few pointers on just some good presentation and entering into uh, speaking. But really, I was just observing uh-huh. others who were around me. You know, right. I mean, that's the way. Jesus worked. He said, come and follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. Now, what did the other people who were there of the teams, the people that you met, what do they think about you? Did they oh. ever express, I mean, maybe later, yeah. they said, when you first showed up here. <laughs> oh, they've actually told me since, especially okay. since coming back. You know, they say, they'll say, wow, you're not the same person, Sean, as you were when you first came here. Uh-huh. Because when I came, I was very much just a child in the faith, you know, and and yet here I am among these, what I would consider giants in the faith. Right, you know, these right. guys are very experienced, mature in the Lord and in ministry. And here I am just so, this And then you guy. told them, so look, I came over here with no money and no change of clothes. And they're thinking, this guy's a nut. <laughs> you, you don't believe it or not, for most of the church outside of the West, that's not a shock. Really? Not at all. Stories like that, they thought, well, of course. Now, they still thought it was amazing. They think, praise God. God, Look at God doing something amazing again. And they rejoiced. Yeah. But they weren't shocked. Yeah. The only shocking part to them, what most of them have told me and still tell me if I ever share that story in Africa, is it's easy for them to believe an African would do that because it happens a lot. Right. Because an African's not giving up much. But they say, they're amazed. Why would you leave the most prosperous, wealthy country in the world with all the reasons that you have. You have no reason to need to trust God. Mm -hmm. And you would give all that up and then come here. What makes sense for an African to feel called to America with nothing? He's going to America. He's going to heaven on earth Mm -hmm. to to an African. 
That's See, it. I, I that shocks them. I experienced that when I was in Ghana. Okay. The, the concepts of what they think America is. Yeah. And it's not totally accurate. <laughs> but, okay, correct. But, but they do. Uh, so this has been my experience. Maybe it may, it may be changed. Now, this was in 93. Uh-huh. But they just thought everybody from America was rich. Yep. And just the very fact that we could afford airplane tickets to fly over there to uh-huh. them proved <laughs> uh-huh. that, that we were rich. Uh-huh. And, uh, and even uh, – you know the building that we're in right now. I had a picture of it with me, right? And one of the members of my team that was with me said, "Well, you ought to show that to him." And my our director said, "No, no, no, don't do that." Mm-hmm. He said that would discourage them uh-huh. because basically the places that we went to were bush churches, uh-huh. but every one of them they took us out back, and there was a, a concrete. Well, concrete blocks laid out for the, a building. That was faith they were believing uh-huh. <laughs> that God's going to give them a, a tin building or a concrete block building with a tin roof. That's uh-huh. all they that's all they wanted in a, yep. in a foundation. And you know what? We put churches in every one of those places Amen. from the team that, that was yeah. with us. We came back to America and shared that vision and people wow. raised the money. Wow. But see, I understand what you're saying is that from their perspective, if you mm-hmm. come from America, you're, you're rich. Well, it was. It ended up being a great way to testify to Africans when I would be out learning to be an evangelist by being discipled by Ugandan evangelists right, right. and and pastors and ministers, because we would go and share. And uh, I specifically remember sharing. And uh, we were in the slums one day, and a friend of mine and I were passing through the slums, and we turn a corner, and suddenly we're surrounded by. Uh, it's hard to remember the exact number, but somewhere between eight and ten. Uh, of these guys who were like street gang, like okay. a street gang. You can tell in Africa because in East Africa, if a man has a beard and long hair, he's for sure not. Uh, he, he's probably up to no good. Really? It's, the, it's the way they like to distinguish themselves uh-huh. as we are rebels to society. Wow. So we turn around the corner and here these guys are. The guy I was with was about 110 pounds soaking wet. He <laughs> he, he was not afraid of anything. He was an ex-Muslim and we would go at the start of going to share the gospel every day, we would start by going to the mosque he used to attend while he would yell to the people coming out of the mosque that they needed to come to Jesus and how wonderful Jesus was. And <laughs> really? Don't you know that I was dying with a disease and God healed me? It was Jesus who healed me. You should become a Christian. Every day you did that. You did yes, that. <laughs> he had no fear. But when we turned the corner and these men were there, he was so afraid I could see it in his eyes, huh. you know, shake, trembling in fear. And these men surround us and I look over to him and he says, shaking and trembling even in his voice, he says, we, we must go, we must go, Sean. <laughs> and they're paying him no attention. They see a mozungu, they uh, see money, they're seeing stars in their eyes. Right. We can rob this guy, we're in the slums, no one will know. We, we have struck it, we have made, we right. won, the lottery right. has come to us, <laughs> you know, kill the fatted calf, he's right. here. And I turned to my, my friend and I said, no. These are my people. Wow. Before becoming saved, I'd been a, in a gang and oh, really? in, in and out. Okay. Of, I'd been to military prison and uh, people, there's people who are far worse than me, but I had been in a lifestyle that was very far from God. So I saw these guys and all I saw was, well, they just remind me of me. They're sinners, you know? Wow. These are the kind of people Jesus is looking for. These are Jesus's kind of people. Wow. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> We're not going anywhere. Right. We're not going anywhere. And as I said that, this man to my left steps in front of me. All these guys are surrounding me in a, in a like a semicircle. 
and he starts to pat down my pockets. <laughs> and he looks me in the face and he says, give me everything. Right. Give me everything. And I said, just a second. What? He was shocked. <laughs> did, he, did, did he not? He, I said, give me everything. I said, I heard you. Give me just a second. So I start to share my testimony of how I came to Jesus and what that did for me. And then I shared, listen, I have nothing to give you anyways. This is how I came to, right. to Uganda. Right. You probably have more than I have. I don't even have a phone. I have no money. I have nothing to give you but lint in my pockets. Right. I have nothing. But what I do have, I'll give you for free. So let me tell you about Jesus. Right. Silver and gold have I none, but, but such as I have, give I thee. Amen. <laughs> so these guys usher me over to a little seat of honor in this little opening in the slums and where they could easily kill me and no one would ever say a thing. They bury my body right there. But instead, they sit me down in this seat of honor and they start to gather around, leaned against trees and shacks and things, and they're listening. And I start to share the gospel. And as I'm getting towards the end, a few of them had trickled off and then I'm finally made an opportunity said if if this is what you want i've now shared with you who jesus is and how this works how salvation is coming to you, works for you do you want this and if you do come forward and give wow. your life to jesus come here and we're going to pray and give your life to jesus and, and we'll walk through what's next three of those guys gang members who had surrounded me to rob me when we first started out Three of them came forward to give their lives to Jesus. And one of, them, the Lord. one of them, with tears in his eyes, was the same guy that started out by patting my pockets down. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Tears in his eyes. That's amazing. But that's the God we serve. Amen. That's by God. That's Amen. what he does. So now, did you have any contact with them later? I haven't, but uh, we plugged them in with one of the local churches near the slum. And have you ever got any reports? I, not from those specifically. I'd have to go back and track down right. some old people and right. find out. Yeah. <laughs> so of, of all the, what's the other word, a mazunga? Uh-huh. Of all the mazungas they could have found, they had to find the one that, that was hey. broke. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's amazing. That's a story for them to tell. We found oh, the one mazunga in the world without money. God is so good. That is just an amazing story. But, but now... You have mentioned some things about your early life that we haven't explored, and we're going to do that uh-huh. right after we play a little gospel music. And those of you who listen every Sunday, you know Pastor King, he loves selling gospel music. And this is such a great show song, and I think it's going to go along real well. It's called uh, Above the Storm by a group called Breaking Ground. The sun still shines above the storm. This is the Gospel on the Radio Talk Show. I'm Pastor Jack King. I am your host, and I just love being with you on these Sunday morning visits. I hope that you are planning on going to church today. If you don't have a church home, I'd love to have you come worship with us at Freedom Road. Freedom Road Christian Ministry. That's the name of the church that I pastor. We're at 720 Capital Circle Northeast in the Crescent Park Plaza. We are between Easterwood Drive and Park Avenue. So if you're heading toward Park Avenue, look for us on the right-hand side of the road. We put a sign out there on Sunday morning. 11.05 is when we start. You can check us out on the web, frcm.us. Now, if you'd like to listen to this show later or share it with a friend, you can go to the podcast. It'll be show number 1,000. 106 and uh, 
Well, I believe that you'll probably want to listen. This has been a great show so far, and I've enjoyed it. And we've still got more to go, so don't leave me here. But uh, make sure that you join me Monday through Friday for the daily broadcast. That's a gospel on the radio broadcast. It's a daily Bible teaching of the Word of God here on 94.1. And then, of course, Saturday night, 7 o'clock, we crank it up. The best music on the planet, that's what I say. Southern Gospel style with a Saturday Night Gospel sing with Pastor Jack King as your host. We have a great time. So you're duly informed and brought up to speed. Uh, Sean Kane, make sure I get it right here because I want to say King. I keep wanting to say King, but uh, Sean Kane is my guest today, and the name of the ministry is Evangelism Global, and we found out here during the interview that you are the founder of Evangelism Global. Yep. Now, what I want to know is somewhere along the line, you came to faith. Uh-huh. You've, you've already told us that you didn't grow up in church. You occasionally might have gone to a service here and there. Now, how old were you when you came to faith? I was 24. 24 years old. Uh-huh. So for 24 years, you had been outside of faith. Mm-hmm. What happened? What caused you to come to Christ? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, I've been asking a lot of good questions. You have been asking a lot of really good questions. I can see you've done this a few times. A few times. Maybe a few thousand. Uh, well, you know, I my whole life experienced things I couldn't explain other than a supernatural explanation. Okay. So I knew there must have been yep. a God. We there is a supernatural God. Amen. Amen. I knew he was real. I just never made the connection between him and Jesus. Okay. That it's the God of the Christians is God, that Jesus is God. That never clicked. Uh, so somewhere around 2010, uh, I'm pretty sure it's past the statute of limitations, I was selling drugs. Okay. <laughs> I was selling drugs, and a friend, a couple friends of mine, and I had uh, unintentionally started a small gang and doing things here in the city, actually. Okay. And uh, somewhere along the lines, was going to end up killing some guys. Wow. It's heavy stuff here. It is heavy. Yeah. Well, as I was selling drugs, there were times where God would intervene. I knew it was God would speak yeah. to me and let me know, avoid this person, don't go this place, and. As I pulled out of my house one day, he said, those people down the street are going to rob you tonight. Really? I heard it clear as day, clear as I'm sitting here with you. Wow. To the point I looked at my buddy. I didn't say a word to him. I just looked to him, put the car back in my truck back and drive, pulled back in the driveway. We went inside, emptied out my safe of all the money and drugs and stuff. I went to start taking guns. And sure enough, that night came back home and the house had been broken into. I tracked them. And the tracks led right back to those guys' house. Wow. So I decided that night, around three or four in the morning, I had a shotgun on the table, brought a friend over to help me hide the bodies, and I was planning to go kill these guys. And somewhere in the midst of all of it, I didn't go through with it. Huh. And now a few weeks later went by, I'd been thinking about, why did I not kill these guys? God's, I knew God had been telling me that, but God would intervene in my life. And it was as though I would say, thank you, uh, I'll see you next time. Uh huh. You know, I recognize you're trying to do something for my life, but I still don't want anything to do with you. Wow. You know, I was a lost sheep and he yeah. was still trying to call me and I was still being stubborn and impatient. But you were one of the, uh, you were the one. <laughs> I was the one he was going after. That's right. He left the rest of them in the fold and he went after the one. You're the one. I love to preach about the one. <laughs> Amen. So I remember there was a, 
time came a few weeks later. I'm riding around town on the south side of Tallahassee. I was on a road called Ballard Road. It's right off of Ridge Road here in Tallahassee. I know where Ridge Road's at. Uh-huh. Well, I was right off Ridge Road. I'm riding around in, the, in a storm, and I thought, God, I don't want to do this anymore. Huh. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to live this life anymore. How did I come to a point of almost killing somebody? So I pulled the truck over in the middle of the rain. It was a rainstorm. Pulled the truck over. Walked down the street. My buddies are still in the car. Never said a word to them. And I dropped down on my knees in that rainstorm and looked up at the sky and I said, God, Jesus, whoever you are, I don't know what to call you. I really don't know who you are, but I do know you're there. Wow. Get me out of this. Whatever you have to do, get me out of this. You're the only one who can. I knew if I stopped selling drugs, I had I didn't know how to do anything else. Uh, now, were you addicted? I was not addicted. I no. was not addicted. But that led a, about a two-year journey okay. to me searching for who, who is this God who's but been that, were, you, were you a user? I, I used some drugs, but I wasn't an addict. Uh, no. But yet, but yet you would sell it to other people. I would sell it to other people. That's amazing. Yeah. But uh, but see, that was a, a part of God's mercy uh-huh. to keep you from becoming addicted yourself. Oh, for sure. Because you're around it all the time. And, and for what I understand, I've never taken drugs, but I understand it's very, very addicting. Very, yeah. very easy to get addicted. Okay. Yeah. So you have this, this night. Uh-huh. It's raining. I see, 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 whenever I tell the story yeah. about the lost sheep, it's always a storm. Wow. <laughs> and, and when I tell the story, there's a storm out there. <laughs> Well, so you were in the storm. It was a literal storm. All right. And the thing that impacted me was I'd, rem- I'd remembered on those few times I'd encountered Christianity. A cousin of mine was a Christian and invited me to vacation Bible school. I was maybe 10 years old. Saw a cartoon. Some, there's some weird exists out there. You can probably Google it. It's called The Miracles of Jesus. Okay. And it was a cartoon about for kids about the story of Jesus. And uh, all I remembered was this scene where he stands up and he stops the storm when the disciples are freaking out in the boat and he stops the storm. Now, I still didn't know who is Jesus and how, why did he stop the storm, but I knew from the cartoon he stopped the storm and God stopped it. And I remembered a few weeks later, I'm in a rainstorm, it's, ta- it's Florida, and uh, I'm running home. I lived out in the country near Quincy and I'm running through a field, it's raining, and I said, God, if you stop the storm for Jesus, you could do that for me. The next thing I know, all the rain stopped. Wow. <laughs> but only where I was standing. Freaked me out. <laughs> Just where I was standing, there was no wind, there was no rain, but everywhere else it was still wow. raining. And I blocked things like that out of my mind uh-huh. because I thought, if I acknowledge that he's there, there's a whole lot of other stuff that's going to go with it. I'm going to have to change my life. I'm going to have to, it right. was going to require something of me. Right. So I'd block those things out until that night in the truck, in the rain, and remembered, you are a God who can work miracles. If you could stop the rain for me when I was a kid, you can get me out of this life right now. Amen. You can do what nobody else can do, including myself. Wow. So what happened after that? Well, after that, it was about a two-year journey of me searching wanting to know who is this god did you go to a church i didn't that was my last move actually okay <laughs> i checked out every other religion i could think of and left christianity and jesus for last really yeah. so so from the time that you had the encounter uh-huh. there on the side of the road you did not immediately become a christian no wow no how'd that go well from there i uh started kind of thinking through who is this god how uh-huh. can i find him how can i know who god is in truth. Uh-huh. I want to know the truth. Right. 
So I checked out different things, meditation, uh, Buddhism. I practiced Buddhism for about six to nine months. And so what did you learn? Well, I learned that some religions had really good philosophies and just ways of life and treating people and do's and don'ts. And I still would agree that they're reasonably nice ways to treat people and live your life. Okay. But I didn't find that they gave valid proof that this is who God is and you can know God and know him for real and know him in truth. Yeah, right. Until I finally came around and I thought, you know, somebody's probably tried this before me. <laughs> and I think if I if I ever find this God, I'm going to tell everybody. Right. I'm just going to tell everybody. And this went on for almost two years. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I finally thought, let me check out the Abrahamic religions. And I All thought, right. well, I, I'm going to leave Islam for last because I actually don't think that just knowing their arguments, it didn't make sense to me right. that, that it would be valid. Well, let me back up just for a second here. Uh, so what happened to the drug selling during that time? Well, that's a good question. So uh, you keep coming with good questions. So after that night in the rainstorm, uh, at the time, of all the people that I knew, I was selling the best weed in town for the cheapest price because I was trying to push out all the competition. Uh-huh. So I would have people buy weed for me from all the other dealers that I knew of, bring it to me so I knew what they had and what price they were selling it for, make sure I got something better, and then sell it for cheaper. (laughs) (laughs) Sound like good merchandising. It was. Yeah. I'm taking it from Walmart. (laughs) After that night, my three suppliers, major suppliers that supplied me with large quantities, one of them went to prison, one of them disappeared, the other one moved to Europe. Wow. Within just a week or two. So God took care of that. Uh-huh. Now, was marijuana the only thing that you were selling? By that point, yes. Okay. So all the people who were buying from me also stopped buying from me. Wow. Now, there's no reason to. I have the best stuff for the cheapest price. That doesn't right. make any sense. Right. Then, to top it all off, I had a. Uh, uh, I was trying to start a legitimate business, a landscaping company that I could launder the money. Well, the business closed out too. Within two months, all of my customers canceled their contracts for me. Wow. So within two months, I had no drugs left to sell, even if I wanted to sell them, and nobody was coming to buy them from me. And I had no income coming from the legitimate business that I had started as a front for the drug business, and I lost everything. It was down to absolutely nothing. But it started me with a fresh start. Right. So how did you manage to live during that period of time? Because you were living off the little bit of money I had left and eventually went back to Went and uh, got a minimum wage job at 22 years old. Okay. And you mentioned college. Where did you go to college? <laughs> I went to TCC in Florida State. Okay. Eventually. And then got a degree in what? Uh, humanities. Humanities. Okay. Uh-huh. That's how come you do that one. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, so now two years have gone by now. Uh-huh. You're still searching. Yep. And the Holy Spirit, he's, he's leading you through a process. And, and I'm going to just venture out of here and think okay why did god not just reveal this to you immediately and i think it may have something to do with the work that he has for you to do Hmm. because you're you've got a knowledge there that perhaps you need because you're dealing with a lot of different uh people different nationalities people from different walks of life and you learned a few things along the way i have a feeling i did so i did but what was it that finally brought you to jesus What finally brought me to Jesus was a combination of things, but I began to finally read the Bible. Okay. And as I read the Bible, I would hide out. I didn't want anybody to know I was reading the Bible. 
<laughs> thought they would think I was a hypocrite, but I began to read the Bible. And somewhere in the time of reading the Bible, trying to determine, is this true? Is it valid? I felt like uh, Lee Strobel in The Case for Christ. I'm trying to pick it apart and see if it's legitimate. Mm-hmm. About that time, my best friend met a girl who invited him to church. So one day he says, will you come to church? Will you take me to church? So I drive him to this church. Hadn't been to a church yet. And I thought, well, it's a Wednesday night. I'll go into the church. I'm looking for a church because I'm looking into this whole Christianity thing. Right. And by this point, I'd read most of the Old Testament. And I was just getting into the Gospel of Matthew. So I go in and I hear this guy give a sermon about having his illustration. I still remember it was about having your ticket to heaven that if his illustration was like a, a bus or a train is coming and Jesus is the conductor, and if you don't have your ticket, you're not getting on the train. Okay. When Jesus returns, he's going to call everyone up and resurrect them by his spirit. And if you don't have his spirit, you're not going. Wow. So he said, are you born again? Do you have the spirit of God living in you? And I thought, I don't. If Jesus uh, came back right now, I'm not going. You know, but when he said the word born again, did you have any comprehension of what that was? I did the moment he said it because he explained what it was. Okay. Okay. But I had been asking, how do Christians know? How do they know for certain that they are good with God? Uh-huh. How do they have this, such a certainty? And I could never get a straight answer. What I was really looking for was someone to explain the gospel. Tell me right, how right, I can right. be restored to God. And no one could tell me. So the man said, you have to be born again. You have to believe on Jesus. You have to repent of your sins. You have to recognize who he is. That he's not just Messiah, he's not just king, but he is God in the flesh. That he died for you and rose from the dead. And if you don't believe in that, you're going to have to pay the price for your sins. Or you can accept his forgiveness for your sins. And this pastor explained all that that He's night. explaining it in his sermon, yeah. Right, and so right. now all the pieces are coming together. But I sat with that for a few days because I realized this is a price to pay. Uh-huh. I have to lay down my life. Take up your cross and it's follow true. me. Yeah. What am I willing to give up to follow this Jesus? Because he's asking everything, uh-huh. not just a little. Right, he right. asks everything. Lay it all down, my right. whole life. I might lose my girlfriend, my friends, none of them are Christian. What am I going to do? So by Sunday, I arrived at the church, came in for the Sunday service, and uh, this uh, big guy was there. He was working the door. He looked like a bouncer, but turned out to be the drummer. <laughs> And uh, I thought he was t- testing my manhood right. by the way he shook my hand, you know. Uh, you know the way, guy, guys, we can size each other up and no one else knows what's going on. Right, right, right. Well, I thought that was what was happening. So he goes to play the drums. I'm sitting in the chair and I thought, who does this guy think he is? Just because we're in a church. So I started to daydream. You're talking about dreams for your show. I was daydreaming about fighting this guy <laughs> after the church. And then I thought, you know, from my previous life, people talk a big game till you put them in the right situation. I wonder if he would act so tough in front of all these people if I held a knife to his throat. Oh. <laughs> and I'm daydreaming about that right. in the pew, in the church, while he, everyone's singing, Jesus, you know, loves me, this I know, or whatever they were singing. And I thought, wow, I really need, I have a hard heart. I need to be born again for sure. Uh-huh. Well, service, uh, the worship starts to end and this pastor comes up there and he's going to preach and then he stops himself and he says, I'm not supposed to preach yet. We're supposed to pray. And he walks away, sits down, changes the whole program in the moment on the fly. And I realized he heard that man just heard the same one that has spoken to me my whole life. 
The God of the Christians is God. Huh. Jesus wow. is God. Wow. The Christians are the ones that know God. I've yeah. met the, the Muslims. I've met the Buddhists. I've met the Hindus. I've met the Jews. It's the Christians. They know God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is Jesus. Yeah. And he just spoke to that man. Wow. I said, God, I'm ready. I put my hands up. Didn't know what to say. All just, I, I'm recognizing all these things in the moment. And about that time, I didn't know what to say. I feel a hand on my left shoulder behind me. And this voice of this man saying all the things on my heart trying to forgive me god i have so much anger and all these things and i was astounded because everything he was saying was what i that was just the pastor or the drummer it turned out to be the drummer the drummer of all the people it was the drummer praying for me now, do you realize how many times in your stories that you've talked about big men uh-huh. that have come that god sent to talk to you and i just find that to be interesting because <laughs> you're not a, you're not a tall man yourself you know yeah and so god says these big men <laughs> Says, ooh, I said, there's got to be something to that, but I don't want to explore that. I right don't now. know. But uh, so, it's got to okay. get my attention. So, so, this was the moment. This, this was, was the, the moment, moment that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Yeah. And it was a radical moment for me. I don't think God knows what it takes for each person to bring sure. them in. For me, I came in believing if. If this is real, if this thing of Jesus is really true, Moses saw a burning bush. The, the, uh, the apostles had seen Moses and, and Elijah in the flesh. You know, Jesus appeared to Saul of Tarsus on, his, right. on the way right. and stopped him in his tracks. People, angels appeared to, to men. You know, I thought if something radical doesn't happen, then I'm not going to believe that this is the real God. Now, I wasn't testing God, but really just saying, I want to know, I really want to know God. Mm-hmm. And if this isn't it, then I'll, I'll continue my search. But if it is God, I want you to show me. Right. I want to know. And if it is, I'm, I'm all in. I've never really known how to be halfway. I'm either a thousand <laughs> miles an hour or zero. There you go. And like so <laughs> I'm praying that and I've got my hands in the air and then that man's praying for me. And I said, God, I do want all that. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. But I realize now what's really going on, why I've sinned, why I've ran from you, why I've hurt people, why I wanted to put a knife at that guy's throat is because I've been looking for love uh-huh. my whole life. Wow. I've actually been never felt or experienced unconditional Love and I've been looking for that love and acceptance and worth, right? From feeling truly unconditionally loved, and uh, I realized I've never seen it in anybody but this Jesus. So, even if you still don't send me to heaven, I just want to know what love is. The wow. next thing I know, there's a blinding light all around me. I open my eyes, I was trembling, there was a presence all around me. Uh, and as I looked up, I was in an open vision. There was nobody left in the church. Nobody, just me. And in this vision, the, the ceiling was off of the church. I could see into the sky. and There, standing on the clouds, bright as the sun, in the form of a man, was Jesus looking down at me. Wow. And all I felt coming in wave after wave, pulsating from him, was love, mercy, joy, Praise the Lord. Peace. Wow. One after another. Wow. Different waves. Just, I was so overwhelmed. I thought I could stay in this spot for a thousand years and be 
totally content. This would still be the greatest experience of my oh, entire yeah. life yeah. in this spot, just yeah. looking at him. So that's what I call the altar experience. It blew it's me like Abraham had the altar experience and different ones. And the altar experience will alter you. It for, alters you. For, for, forever. <laughs> and see, when you have that type of experience, you don't just walk away from it. You don't just turn your back on it. You know? yeah. And this is like I, I preach a lot of times about the, you know, when they crossed the Red Sea and how that was such a powerful moment for that generation. And the, the next generation, they heard all about it, but they hadn't experienced it until they crossed Jordan. Yeah. And then, then all of a sudden, they see what the other generation had seen. Yes. And of course, obviously, this has transformed your life. Absolutely. To the point to where you formed a ministry now to go and preach the gospel. Now, the problem is, you know, there's there's a lot more to this story that we haven't heard that we don't have time for on this show. So I'm going to have to get you back here pretty soon. I'd love to. We've got to pick up this story where it's left over because we've got about four minutes left. And I want to give you a little bit of time here mm-hmm. to just kind of explain the ministry. And uh, if anybody wants to be involved, you want to give out any information, that sort of thing, you can do that at this time. Okay. Yeah. So we're here. Uh, it's called Evangelism Global. Uh, if anybody wanted to reach us, it's evangelismglobal.com. Okay. Um, but yeah, we're we're based primarily here uh, in the North Florida area and then also in East Africa. Uh, but our primary focus is wanting to see one billion souls come to Jesus. Wow. By 2050. Wow. And we think it's doable. Uh, no, I agree. Yeah. So... One of the main things we focus on, obviously, is getting the gospel out. But our way of doing that is holding large outdoor events. Some of those we do with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Uh, Others we do in East Africa and around North Florida. Um, But our primary way that that we believe we'll get there and is what we mostly focus on is making disciples. Okay. So... And that's one-on-one. One-on-one. So yeah. we usually will take groups. Jesus had 12. We'll take a few if we can. Uh, if we have 12, that's great. Uh, but we take people out in any type of ministry we're doing, whether it's prayer, sharing the gospel, preaching, anything. I take some people that we disciple. I will take them with me to Africa to do things. And uh, we follow a four-step model with everything we do is I do, you watch, then I do, you help. Right. Which then, is exactly what Jesus Christ That's exactly did. what yeah. he did. Then yeah. you do, and yeah. I will help you. And yeah. then you do, and I watch. You know, I don't know. I've got to go back through my notes. I don't know who it is uh-huh. that's recently been here on the show that this has, is involved in doing something very similar to what you were doing. Yeah. I probably need to connect you, but I don't know. I have to look at my notes to figure out who this is because I've heard somebody recently sharing the same heart that, that you're sharing here the same type of thing that you're doing. How old is your ministry now? Uh, this particular ministry is three years old. Three years old. So uh-huh. you've been you've been doing this, and of course you've been back to Uganda. Mm-hmm. So you're still working there. Mm-hmm. Uh, events. What type of events have you been able to do? Yeah. So we do. Uh, we've done several events in East Africa, also here. Uh, we've done a couple events here, Orange Avenue, and also on College Avenue. Okay. Uh-huh. Now, if somebody wanted to team up with you or just find out more information, how would they? You told us it's a uh, was it global evangelism, evangelism global, global uh-huh. dot 
com. Evangelismglobal.com. Okay. And you have a website there? We do. They can sign up for our newsletters there if they like. Okay. Uh, We also have an Instagram, Evangelism G. We also have uh, Evangelism Global Facebook. All ways people can get in contact. And are there ways that they can donate if they want to? There are. On our website, there's a donation page. There's contact pages if they want to connect with us, work with us. Uh, And are you a 501c3? We are a 501c3. Yeah. Well, I, I would encourage people to do that. They've, they've heard your story, and, and you're going to hear more. We're going to have you back here not too long from now. Praise God. We're going to pick up this story and talk about the actual ministry, nuts and bolts, and that type of thing. Yeah. As to what God's doing in your life. But we always close the broadcast out with prayer. Father God, I just give you praise and glory for uh, just all that you're doing here. Uh, God, just we just pray over Brother Sean and, and those that you've given to work with him. Father God, protect them, Lord. Give them great vision. Show them, Father, how to go about doing what it is you've called them to do. And Father God, I pray over this audience. I just pray, God, that you would just protect each and every one. And Lord, that just be a great move of the Spirit of God in their lives. In our churches, we pray for our pastors. We pray for America. We pray for peace around this world. And Father God, I pray for peace in the city of Jerusalem and in the nation of Israel. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Sean, it's been great to have you on the show. Amen. I've enjoyed meeting good. you. And uh, like I said, we're going to have you back pretty soon. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Until next Sunday morning, may the Lord bless you.